Well, it's good to be worshiping with all of you this morning. So glad that y'all are here. And hello and good morning to Pastor Ben and everyone at our Buchanan campus um, and everyone that's watching online as well. So glad that y'all are joining us. So we're continuing our series to the book of Joshua, our series Courage for Battle. And today, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Joshua chapter 5. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 10. So today, we're starting to pick up the pace in our series. We're covering two chapters today. So we're kind of getting to a point in our series where we can't hit every single verse in the text. But if anywhere there's podcast stream, search New Vision Life, find our podcast. We go through the whole book verse by verse, and it's a great podcast. So keep tuning in to that and make sure you're keeping up with that. So where we've been the past couple of weeks is, so the people of God, the Israelites, they, they're coming into the promised land. They just, they crossed the Jordan. And last week, Pastor Brady talked about them putting up the 12 stones of remembrance to remember the work that God has been doing. And today, what we're going to be talking about is just on the horizon for God's people is their first major battle, the battle at Jericho, like the iconic story, the battle of Jericho. And so what we're going to see today, the, the thread that we're going to see is God's going to have to remove some things from the people of Israel, and specifically from Joshua's heart. So he's going to have to remove some things, then to build up some things in Joshua's life that he needs for victory. So the topic for today, the sermon for today, is how God prepares his people for victory. So let me pray, and we'll go ahead and dive into God's word. God, you're good, and your word is good. Lord, thank you so much for this, this passage and this story, God, what it has to teach us today as your people of how we can have victory in our lives. Lord, I pray that as we walk through this passage today, Lord, that your spirit would just open up our eyes, open up our minds and our hearts to see what we need to see, God, to hear what we need to hear from your word, or that we would see the things that we need to remove from our lives, and God, what you might need to build in our lives to walk in victory. And Lord, ultimately, most importantly, we pray that as we walk through these Jericho-like type of situations, Lord, that we wouldn't get so fixated on the walls coming down that we miss you and your presence, God, because that's what it's all about. Lord, so be with us today. In Christ's name, amen. So again, today's message, how God prepares his people for victory, all right? Because it's important for us to understand how he does that, how us as the church, how we can be prepared for victory in our lives. So here we go. Let's read through the passage, starting in verse 10. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. It says, While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month. Now, this is interesting because they celebrated the Passover the first time when God was delivering them out of Egypt and sending them out into the wilderness. And now they're celebrating the Passover again for the first time that we have recorded in a long time. He's bringing them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So this is an important part of God's plan for his people. So they're celebrating the Passover it says there is, it was the evening on the plains of Jericho. The day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel. All right, that's important. We're going to come back to that. It says, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, hey, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no, 
but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. It says, and Joshua fell on his face and worshiped and said to him, what, is, what does my Lord say to his servant? Like, I'm listening, I'm all ears. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. We're gonna come, that's, that's an important part too. We're gonna come back to that. All right, that's the second thing. Chapter six, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because the people of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Now, we'll summarize the rest of chapter six. So they walk around the city once each day for six days. Then on the seventh day, something really important happens. He says, hey, you're going to get the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. You're going to march around the city seven times this day. And after you march around the city seven times, you're going to shout. And then the walls fell down, and they went in, and they had victory at Jericho. All right? That's chapter 6, summed up in about 10 seconds for you. All right? So, now, if Joshua were writing the script for this part of the Bible, this isn't it. Like if Joshua's trying to write the story here, this is not how it's going in his mind. Nothing close. What's God doing? He's having to remove some things from Joshua's life to build in him what he needs to truly experience victory in his life. So again, he's removing some things to then build up what we need. So what's the first thing? Let's talk about the manna. All right, what's the deal with the manna? Let's read verse 12 again. So it said, The manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. There was no longer manna for the people of Israel. Now, one way to look at this is that some of the Israelites were probably like, Thank you, God. Something besides manna. We've been having manna every day for as long as we can remember. I'm ready for a new menu. All right? That was probably what some of them were thinking. That's what I've been thinking. Think about it maybe from Joshua's perspective. Joshua was responsible. He might have been thinking, God, I've got two million mouths to feed here. I got, like, we're a startup nation. I'm just getting this thing going. Couldn't you have given me more time before you start changing stuff on me? Manna was all Joshua had ever known. That was the only way that he'd ever known that God was providing for them physically. What's happening? God's removing that from Joshua to make him rely on God to provide in another way. Now, I think that maybe the manna had likely become a comfort for them, a comfort, a convenience. I mean, think about it. Walk out your tent, scoop up enough what you and your family need for the day, and you're done. That's a, like, that's a pretty sweet gig, right? No more. So, again, the pattern we see is God removing to build up. What's he removing? God will remove comforts. God will remove our comforts to build our dependence on him. That's the key number one. Key number one to experience victory in your life is dependence on God. All right, that's key number one. So he's removing comforts to build dependence. Let's think about that. As humans, we don't like change, do we? We don't. We don't like change. We would rather have what's comfortable, predictable, and convenient 
even over what's best for us sometimes, right? Is that fair? I know I'm that way. Here's a fun example, all right? I love convenience. We love convenience. If I'm ever the one that goes grocery shopping for us, Ansley's at least smart enough to send me with a list, okay? But most of the time, if, if I'm the one going shopping, I'm probably already hungry by the time I've gotten there. It's gonna take me 45 minutes to get everything on the list. But she, she's listed out, she's like mapped it out. Hey, we're gonna have this and this and this for dinner this week. You just gotta go, and just get the list. Got it. But every time I swing by the frozen section, 10 out of 10 times, you know what I'm throwing in our cart? A frozen pizza. Because you know what? I'm thinking, all right, by the time I get this home, get it unloaded, and we cook some, it's going to be another 45 minutes before we get to eat. I'm already hungry. But then I'm smart. I try to twist it around like I'm trying to be a good husband. And then I go home and I'm like, babe, listen, you probably had a long day with the kids. It's been crazy. Why don't we just throw a pizza in the oven tonight? We'll have an easy dinner. We can throw in a movie and it'll be a great night. You know, super dad, super husband. Really, I'm just selfish and I'm wanting convenience. I'm wanting an easy evening. I'm wanting a quick dinner because I'm hungry and I'm wanting an easy cleanup and I want to be done. Now, that's a fun example. It's very true. But what are some real comforts and conveniences that we really cling on to that if they begin to change, God begins to mess with them, hey, we don't like it. The first one, I think, and the main one, I think for our culture, let's be honest, it's money. Our budget. That begins to change, we start to freak out. Now, again, I'll talk about myself here. I'll be honest. Um, so me and my wife, Angela, we've been married for about five years. We had a short window of time, the beginning of our marriage, where we had double income, no kids. That's a, that was a sweet season. All right? Now I know kids are an inheritance and a gift from the Lord. All right? I get that. I get that. I love our kids. But it was nice. We had plenty of cushion in the budget. We were able to save a lot. We were able to travel some and do some things that whatever we wanted to do. Babies started coming. We started having conversations and started praying about what we were going to do. And now, listen, disclaimer, I'm not saying that our story is, is best for everyone, okay? I know that everyone's situation is different. But for us, we talked about it, we prayed about it, and Anza was like, babe, she was teaching over here at Seagull. She was a Spanish teacher at Seagull High School. She's like, babe, I, I think I want to resign at Seagull, and I think I want to come home and be with, the, be with the kids for this, you know, these first few years of their life. And I was super spiritual. I was like, yes, I think that is what the Lord is leading us to do. For you to resign and quit your job and, and come home with our babies. Really what I was thinking, I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, how are we going to make this work now? Right? Now, listen, stay-at-home moms, tough job, right? I'm not saying that you don't have a job. It's a tough job. But I was freaking out. Why? Because I'd gotten used to it being one way, and that wasn't going to work anymore. We had to make some changes. So money. Another, another uh, example Maybe, maybe at your job, you have a position that has some influence and some status and authority that, that you have. And if change in the organization or if someone feels like, that's a, like it's a threat to that, things get dicey because that's a comfort. And 
You know, if, if that were to change, you'd have to really depend on, on God to remind you of who you are and like where your identity is. So maybe, maybe that is it. Maybe it's something with your work. I think another big one in our culture, culture is our schedules, our time. Even if something is best for us to introduce into our schedules, if it's going to mean we have to sacrifice an hour of the week or sacrifice more time, ah, nah, we'd rather not do it. Whether it be like a, a group or a prioritizing date nights or hanging out with friends, just things that we need in our lives to be normal functioning humans. Listen, if we have to start giving up time in our week, I don't know about it. Schedules. And there's so many other things, right? So many other things that are comforts and conveniences. What's the point? God took away the manna to build up dependence because God knows that comfort often leads to spiritual complacency in our lives, doesn't it? Comfort leads to complacency, but God knows that change often leads to dependence on him. It does. Change often Change always, not often, always is going to lead to more dependence on him. So that's key number one. Key number one is dependence on God, building that, God building that in our lives. All right, let's keep going now. So I'm going to summarize verse 13. It says that, that Joshua was by Jericho. Now it says he was by Jericho. He could have been like on the outskirts of Jericho, kind of looking down at the city, or he could have been right up against the walls thinking, man, how are we going to do this tomorrow? Are we going to go under these things? Are we going to try and get through them? Are we going to go over the walls? He's probably making a battle plan. He's probably prepping his, his first rally speech to rally the soldiers. He's prepping for his first day as commander-in-chief, the people of Israel, getting ready. And somebody else shows up with a sword drawn. I was like, whoa, 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 hey, are you for us or are you for them? Look at what it says in verse 14. He says, no, but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face, uh, fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Like, I'm all ears. Verse 15, and the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. Joshua asked him, hey, are you for me or are you for them? The answer isn't, I'm for you. The answer wasn't, I'm for them. The answer essentially is, I'm for the Lord. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And it says that Joshua fall on, fell on his face and he worships. Now, this is so cool, all right? This is such a cool part of scripture because theologians call this a Christophany, a Christophany. This is an Old Testament appearance an Old Testament appearance of the eternal Son of God, Jesus. This is a pre-Christmas, pre-nativity appearance of Jesus on the scene. Now, why do we believe that? Hang with me. For just, I'm talking about this for just a second, and then we'll kind of leave it here. Listen, if it were an angel, if it was just an angel that appeared to Joshua, that's the other option, right? If it were, just, if it were an angel that appeared to Joshua, the angel wouldn't have let him worship him. It says that Joshua fell on his face and worshiped. And the man led him. If it were an angel, he would have said no. How do we know that? Because it happens in the end of Revelation. When, when John is done having his revelation, the angel gives him this revelation of heaven. It says that John got down on his face and he worshiped the angel. And the, what did the angel say? Get up. 
Hey, no, don't, don't worship me. We're both about to get canned here. Worship God. That's what the angel said. So if it were an angel, it wouldn't let, him, wouldn't let Joshua, Joshua worship him. The other reason, what the angel say? He said, take the sandals off of your feet because where you're standing is holy. Where's the only other time that we hear that in scripture? It was when God himself was speaking to Moses from the bush. This was the presence of the Lord himself. Now, that's cool. That's interesting. If you have questions about that, you're like, ah, Dakota, I don't know about that. You're going to have to sell me on a little bit more. Listen, we have a great podcast episode on this section of scripture. The last part of, of chapter five, you have to go back a couple episodes, go back and listen to it. Cloud does a great job handling the Christophany. But what's the point here? Before Joshua meets this guy, he's going, Joshua thinks, hey, I thought I was the commander of the army of the Lord. I thought I was in charge here. I thought I was calling the shots, making the battle plan. Nope. Sorry, buddy. God is removing any self-reliance, any pride, any arrogance that was in Joshua's heart. And building what? A posture of surrender. So that's the second key to preparing for victory in our lives is that God will remove our self-reliance and build a posture of worship. Or excuse me, a posture of surrender. So he removes self-reliance to build a posture of surrender. Now, that sounds great. That sounds like preacher talk to me, right? So, okay, Dakota, what does it look like? What does a posture of worship or a posture of surrender look like? Give me some, give me some examples here. Well, I think posture of surrender looks like at least three things in this passage. The first thing the posture is that is a picture of a posture of surrender is relinquishing control. Joshua has to say, Okay, I'm not in charge. I thought I was, but I guess I'm not. So I need some help here. Joshua's having to relinquish control. Joshua was coming up to the re- against the reality that, hey, I can't do anything that's going to change the circumstances or that's going to help him determine an outcome here. I've got to let go and let you be God. So relinquishing control, that's hard for us. That is so hard for us. We're going to come back to that one. But the first one's relinquishing, relinquishing control. The second says that he got down on his face and he worshiped. And then the third thing, it says that he said, hey, I'm listening. Lord, what do you say to me? I'm listening. So the second and the third thing is worship and just listen. A posture of, posture of surrender. Worship and listen. That's why this is so important. Now, that's why coming together and gathering together for worship and listening to the word of God to hear where he's leading us and what he's calling us to and what he's changing in our lives. That's why this is so important to have this in the rhythm of our lives and the rhythm of our weeks because you know what it does? It's building a posture of surrender into our lives. Coming to gather together each Sunday to come together and worship or for our Thursday night folks on Thursday to come together and worship and to listen. Posture of surrender each week. Now, that's, this isn't the only time that we should be doing that, right? We should be doing that, building that in throughout our week, but at least it can start here together as the church gathered together. All right, so worship and listen. But let's, let's talk about a little bit more about relinquishing control. Because so often we want to hang on to situations when we really need to let go. Now, this is a fun example for you. 
quick story. So if you didn't know this about me, I am from the great town of Woodbury, Tennessee. Cannon County guy. Anybody else from Cannon County in here? Okay, got someone? Yep, that's my family right over there. And some people up in the balcony. All right. 11 o'clock service is strong. Y'all the most, with the mo- most in this service. This is blessing from the Lord today. Y'all's presence. Listen. So, you know, I moved, I moved to the big city for college, came, came to Murfreesboro for college, and I just stayed. Right? Murfreesboro was the big city for us. So Woodbury is horse country. All right? I grew up on a small farm. We had horses and some other animals, but it just for recreational riding, trail riding, up and down the hollers and short mountain. And part of growing up, I loved being out in the barn with dad, taking care of the horses and, and feeding the horses and all the stuff that you do on the farm. And it was one time, never forget, I was a little guy. I was old enough to be out there and help dad, but we were always careful. But dad had one of the horses that had a halter on the horse and then a lead line, which is just a clip on a rope. Okay, and we had the horse. He was doing something to the horse, and, and he said, hey, son, he said, come here. I want you to hang on to this robe. i got to go get something, and I'll be back. He said, last thing he said to me, boy, don't you let go of that rope. Like, yes, sir, dad, I got it. I got it. got this horse. I was like seven or eight years old, and um, the horse is broke. You know, I mean, nothing should have gone wrong. Well, what happened? Horse got spooked and took off. And so did I, hanging on. <laughs> just hanging on, baby. And I was just like getting drugged across the ground and, and getting drugged through the mud. And it went around the barn. And I realized, I'm not stopping this thing. I got to let go. So I let go. Dad, I'm crying. I'm all, you know, I'm cut up and scraped up and whatever and just scared. And dad runs up and he scoops me up and he grabs me. He said, Dakota, why didn't you let go? He's right over there. What you told me, Dad? Tell me not to let go. What's the point? No one likes the feeling of being out of control in any area of your life. Do we? It's scary. It's terrifying. And nothing that you can do is going to change the circumstance or help determine the outcome. We hate it. But instead of trying to choose to, to hold on, and, and try to hold on to control the situation, a posture of surrender says, all right, God, I'm gonna let you be God here because I'm not. I need you to step into the situation. I need your power. I need you to take over. And listen, I know it's hard, but choosing to relinquish control instead of holding on, listen, that is the way to start experiencing some victory in your life. And it, listen, it will bring you so much more peace when you do that, won't it? So much more peace when we let go. So the second thing is God's building a posture of surrender. Okay, so let me recap again where we've been. So God's removing the manna, removing the comforts to build up dependence. He's removing any self-reliance to build up a posture of surrender, okay? Now, let's see what happens next. I'm just going to read the first part of, of chapter 6, verse 2. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Now, stop right there. Let me ask you a question. Joshua was the leader here. They were going into battle tomorrow. Don't you think that Joshua had a battle plan? 
I'm asking. Yeah, he definitely had a battle plan. God, what do you mean you've given Jericho into my hand? Don't, don't, God, don't you want to hear my battle plan first? It's a pretty good one. Nope. And God proceeds to tell them what they're going to do. And I just imagine Joshua being like, God, are you kidding me? I've been training these men for battle for years, and you're asking me to stand up in front of them tomorrow and say, all right, boys, get up. We're going to walk around today. That's the plan. Yep. What was God doing? He was removing Joshua's plans. And the only thing, with God's plan, the only way it was going to work is if the power of God showed up. And so for us, I think God will remove our plans to build our need for his power in our lives. That's the third thing for preparing for victory in our lives is building the need for his power. Now, so... I'm our college pastor, right? So when I'm ministering and talking with our college students, 90% of the conversations that I have with you guys is this. Dakota, I'm trying to discern God's will for my life, right? I'm trying to discern God's will for my life. An unspiritual translation of that is, Dakota, I'm trying to make a plan or my plans are changing. That's what that means. But you know what I'm finding to be true? It doesn't matter what season of life that you're in. We're also asking the exact same questions. God, what are you doing? God, what is the plan? My plans are changing. This isn't how I thought it was going to shake out. I, I wasn't prepared for this. God, God, what, what's the plan here? It doesn't matter if you're a high school student or if you're a tiree. Things are always changing. So God was changing Joshua's plans. Now for me, with my plans, so often my approach to God when it comes to making plans is something like this. Hey God, whether it be plans for my marriage, for my job here, for parenting, for friendships, for family, whatever, the way I like to approach God is like something like this. All right, God, I'm gonna let you in on something. Here's how I think this should go. God, here's how I think this should go. Here's what I would like to happen Here's what I think would be best. Can you just sign off on this and make sure that you're behind me here? God, will you sign off on, on that, please? Anybody else? That's, that's typically how I approach God. A better way to approach God is to say, God, what are you doing? Where are you leading me? Where am I gonna get the most of you? And let me align my life with that. That's a completely different mentality than saying, all right, God, here's my plan. Will you sign off on it? A better way of saying, hey, God, where are you going? Where is your presence leading me? And I want to get in that lane. Because you know what was the key to the victory that day with God's plan? It was his presence. Because you know what they did? God commanded them to, he said, hey, I want y'all to get the ark of the covenant. You're going to get seven priests. They're going to carry the ark, which the ark was the physical representation of the presence of God with them. Hey, you're going to get the ark. You're going to carry that around the city. So I wonder if God's plan all along was getting more of his presence into their lives, 
and into his people. So listen, because it wasn't Joshua's plan. It wasn't his position. It wasn't his ability to determine the outcome. So what if what God wanted to do in Joshua all along wasn't mainly about him seeing the walls come down. It was about getting more of God's presence into the center of Joshua's life and into the center of his leadership. Because that's what happens. And I think that's where the victory comes. That's what happened that day. It was the presence of God. Now, let's think about, in the last few minutes that we have, let's think about this passage in the typical, traditional way that we think about the Battle of Jericho. It's like, you know, what's, what's the insurmountable, like, unconquerable circumstance maybe that you're walking through. We all have them. And if you don't have one right now, you will. We have them in different seasons throughout our life. So what is it? What's the area where you're needing to see victory, where you're wanting to see breakthrough? Is it maybe questions about your future? Is it a breakthrough in your marriage or another relationship? Is it maybe sin or addiction Or maybe is there a diagnosis that feels like a Jericho? Is it fear or anxiety? Or maybe just just the unknown? I think the unknown sometimes is the hardest one. It's not knowing what's coming. What if we believed, if from God's perspective, the main thing he wanted to do in our lives wasn't for us to see the walls come down the way that we want them to, But what if the main thing that God wanted is to get more of his presence into our lives? I think that's it. Now, let me say, God still does it. He still does. And it's not wrong for us to pray and ask him to. I'm praying that those Jericho-like walls come down to areas of my life. I'm praying that for you. Over this weekend, I'm praying that thousands of different Jericho-like situations would crumble and that we would experience victory in those. I'm praying for that and I'm believing for it and God can do it. But I think sometimes we like to write up the victory in our own way. And we might miss what God's doing. So in the midst of wanting to see those walls fall, don't miss God because he's what it's about. He's what, and that, listen, I know that some of you have some things going on right now that it's like, you like Dakota, it's crushing, man. And it is suffocating. And if something doesn't break, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Well, listen, I'm praying that they fall. I'm praying that they come down. But what I know for sure is that what God wants is more of his presence in your life. And he is, He's so much more concerned about what he's building in us and where he's taking us because ultimately we're gonna be experiencing his presence perfectly forever in heaven. That's what he's preparing us for is more of him for all of eternity. So all the trials, all the challenges, all the heartbreak between now and then, don't miss God in it. Don't miss him because that's where the victory is gonna be found. Now, let's recap where we've been so far. So again, we talked about today is how is God preparing you for victory? Here's the formula. Not that you can formalize things biblically, but I feel like it's a pretty good one. Number one in this passage, depend on God. Dependence on God. That's how we're prepared for victory. 
dependence on God, surrender to God, and then the power of God in our lives through his presence, that will begin to lead to victory. Dependence and surrender and his power. Now, I'll talk about that second one for just a second. Surrender to God. It's interesting to me because surrender is really a part of, of every single step in our journey with Christ. Every one. From beginning to end, surrender is a part of the first step that maybe some of us need to take. The first step is saying, God, I've got to surrender. I can't do this on my own. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins because nothing that I'm going to be able to do is going to earn that place. You have. And I'm surrendering, relinquishing control to you. It's surrender. Maybe some of you need to take that step today and make sure that you're on the side of the commander of the army of the Lord. Listen, you want to be on his side, I promise you. Listen, if there's any question about where you're at today with him, like, like don't leave without knowing for sure that you are his. And Delaney's gonna come out just a moment and close. And you can walk out with confidence today knowing that you're gonna have victory. So the first step, but also every other step in our life takes surrender. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how mature you are in your faith. It's always surrender. Surrendering to where, where, what God is trying to do in you and where he's leading you. It's always the step is surrender. So, okay, Dakota, if, if that's the step for everyone, how do we really discern what God's doing in me? Well, here's the challenge for this week. I've got two questions that are gonna be two prayers for us the church this week. This is it. This is how to discern what is God doing. How is he preparing you for, for victory? Prayer number one is, God, what do you need to remove in my life? God, what do you need to remove? Ask him. He'll begin to show you. Ask him, God, what do you need to remove? Second thing is, God, what do you need to build in my life? Ask him. Let's pray those two things this week and let's see what God does. But church, don't, don't miss it. That's the point of the message, but don't miss the main thing. This last thing that I'll say, so please listen in. When the Jericho-like situations come, and they will, don't get so fixated on the walls that you miss him because he is what it is all about. He's what it's all about. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word and thank you for this passage. God, such a, an iconic, famous story. God, but for so long, I've, I've, I've missed it. I've been so concerned about the story ending the way that I want it to and just using your power as a way to get to it. God, and not truly seeking you in it and seeking what you are building in me along the way. So God, forgive me of that. And God, show us, show all of us today as a church for what you need to remove in our lives. God, well, we need to surrender over to you. God, and I pray that if there's anyone that needs to take that first step today and know that they're yours and that they're forgiven, God, that they would surrender. God, what, we need, what you need to remove, God, and what you're building in us. Show our church, in Jesus' name, amen.